electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay, well, I mean, what the heck is going on here? How did the market manage to rebound after being down so dramatically earlier in the day? Dow ultimately gaining 40 points. Oh, my God, it was down huge. S&P still dropped 0.04%, and the Nasdaq still shed 0.67%. Sell, 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 sell. All right, let's start with the obvious reasons. At any given time, there are many camps on Wall Street, groups with different views that determine the direction of stocks. Right now, we've got two major camps. The first believes the Fed is going to overshoot with its rate hikes, sending the economy into something close to a recession. Not an actual recession, because employment is simply too strong, but a real slowdown. If they're right, then you need to rotate out of the industrials and move into the slowdown stocks. That's what I call the consumer packaged goods stocks with higher yields. I could also mention the REITs and utilities. But uh, the rotation was in full force to the end of those. And I like to pick individual stocks you all know to demonstrate this. So I want you to look at the stock of PepsiCo. Last week, this company reported a very good quarter, and no one cared because buyers wanted cyclical stocks in the wake of the president's trade deals with Canada and Mexico. Didn't matter what PepsiCo's doing. Yeah, didn't matter that it was doing well. Later in the week, Fed Chief Jay Powell decided that the economy was so strong that he would need to raise interest rates, okay? He wasn't thinking about anything else other than moving them up lockstep through next year. The whole idea that the Fed should be data-dependent, meaning its decisions should be based on what's actually happening, went right out the window. Now we've got a Fed that wants to tame inflation by any means necessary. Then we got the strong employment report, although I think it wasn't as strong as it looked. More on that later. You know, it doesn't matter. The Fed had spoken, and when you combine Powell's view with the spike in interest rates after the employment report, we got a whole new narrative. The Fed's going to cause a slowdown. And in a slowdown, you want to buy the soft goods stocks like PepsiCo that don't need a good economy to make their numbers. Next thing you know, the darn thing's on fire. PepsiCo stock was, it was up even during the bad part of today. 
And that's uh, only one example. Just in case you think I'm picking on Pepsi, let's talk about Kimberly Clark. KMB got hit with a savage downgrade from Goldman Sachs. Its stock rallied anyway. Normally would have been down huge. Now, what else do PepsiCo and Kimberly Clark have in common? Well, they pay you about a 3.5% yield. If there's a slowdown, that means interest rates will go lower making these dividend stocks more attractive to investors. Think about that narrative. So if you want to know why these recession-proof stocks roared today, it was the slowdown camp working its magic, betting on lower interest rates. Even when the market was down, these names held up. Then there's the second camp, the people who have genuine runaway inflation fears. Every day, this cohort gets something new to stoke their worldview. For example, today, PPG, the gigantic paint and coatings conglomerate, they announced a 10% price hike for automobile paint. The reason? The company cited, and I quote, unprecedented cost pressures in raw materials, freight, distribution, and labor across every region, end quote. Wow. Well, that's mighty negative. When PPG talks about unprecedented cost pressures, it makes you feel like inflation is raging and the Fed may actually be behind the curve when it comes to slowing it down. Kind of the opposite of the other camp, right? So what do you do if you think inflation's already out of control and therefore interest rates must go higher? And today was just a pause because the bond market was closed. Well, you sell the high growth stocks, betting their future earnings won't be worth as much after inflation eats into their purchasing power in the out years. Now, until last week, there was a belief that even if the Fed tightened too much, these growth stocks, especially the cloud plays, would keep climbing. But now these stocks are collapsing, and they didn't even bounce much during the intraday reversal. It's amazing to see how the super growth stocks like the Cloud Kings and the medical devices, that they just collapsed. Sell, 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 sell. And they didn't do much recovery. Amazon gets clocked. Why not? The company told us last week it had to raise the wages of its employees to $15 an hour. My trust owns it wants to buy more, but the stock's in silly death wish mode. <laughs> Alphabet gets decked, of course, by what we now call a privacy securities flaw, but also because people worry about high growth, high multiple stocks. Now, these security flaws, they seem to be kind of inevitable, don't they? You know what? The only fang stock that held up is the one that's now a value play, Facebook, because it sells at less than 20 times next year's earnings. Obviously, no one believes those numbers, but the stock has a harder time going down because it does represent some value here. Now, let's think about this. Didn't we just interview John Donahoe, the CEO of ServiceNow, when we were in San Francisco, NOW, and his company is doing so well that it seems like it's unstoppable? Yet the stock plunged 3.4% today. We saw gigantic selling the likes of Adobe, Workday, and VMware, too. That's because the big institutional investors simply won't pay as much for these future prospects. Because if there's a lot of inflation, the gigantic earnings streams in the out years, well, they won't be worth as much. That's what inflation does. It erodes the value of high growth. Now, these money managers don't actually care if inflation really gets under control. They just want to sell before anyone else realizes the scope of the problem because they think these stocks are going a lot lower. It's kind of like that old saw about when you and your friends are being attacked by a bear. You don't need to outrun the bear. You just need to outrun your fellow shareholders. Finally, there are stocks that need a stronger economy in order to rally. Neither camp wants these names. So the airlines, hurt already by higher oil prices, see their stocks get crushed. A pure commodity maker, Alcoa, it just gets simply annihilated. A possible recession makes you sell the industrials out of control. Uh, because uh, out of control inflation makes you sell those growth stocks, makes you sell the economy sensitive stocks. Well, I tell you, it's just a negative scenario. Now, there are also a few less obvious reasons for today's actions. 
For starters, it was a federal holiday, for heaven's sake, and we had no bond market, but we did have the actions of other bourses that don't celebrate Columbus Day, bourses like Europe and Asia, and they were all crushed. Europe because of Italian worries, Asia because China's stock market got obliterated, something to watch people. And, and you know, I've been talking about this endlessly. Anyway, uh, those who, who don't know anything uh, except that they like to trade off of overseas markets, uh, they just sold, sold, sold. And that worked until the afternoon when other buyers came in, oblivious to Europe and Asia and those other markets, Europe had stopped trading, frankly, because it was in the afternoon. And instead, these people just wanted to get bargains in an oversold market. That prevailed a lot in the last hour and a half. We're also in the grips of insane ETF action that involves all the cloud kicks. They're trading together in a basket, which was probably set up to take advantage of exactly what, we, what we've noticed. There are a group of stocks that are super growth oriented and they can be bought and sold together. That's what the ETFs do. That's what happened today. What else? We saw the emergence of a third camp of investors, the group that thinks interest rates have already overshot. This is a minority view because the Fed has insisted these camp followers are wrong. But if long-term rates stabilize here, the tenure stabilizes at three and a quarter, well, guess what? You could see a Mongo rally, and these managers want to capture those potential gains, particularly if China capitulates. I don't think that's going to happen that, that fast, but that's what helped us in the afternoon. Last but not least, hey, come on, we're oversold. We've been going down to the point where many people who've been waiting to do some buying finally came in and did some buying. And that's money management 101. Now, let's summarize. Higher inflation and higher interest rates do hurt the economy. OK, money managers who believe the Fed is going to overshoot brought, bought slowdown stocks like PepsiCo and Kimberly Clark, and they sold the industrials. Money managers who think the Fed has lost control and inflation will keep rising sold the turbocharged growth stocks. And they did that all day. They didn't bounce. And then everything kind of went off kilter, hopelessly magnified because today was a bank holiday. Hence why the actual industrials continue to rally when maybe they shouldn't have. The bottom line, we saw a lot of different cross currents at work today, but you have to be careful extrapolating from the action on a federal holiday. We will know more when the bond market opens tomorrow. Kyle in Delaware. Kyle! Booyah from the first state. Hey, man, what's going on? Not much. Uh, my parents and I watch your show every night. Uh, uh, tell them thank about, you, and I'm glad you do. Thank you. Uh, my question is about PZZA. With the recent negative press related to the founder and former spokesman, how do you feel about Papa John's in the long term? Well, I, I don't think they're doing well in the long term. I, I, you know, Domino's is doing well. I, by the way, I think that Yum, the Pizza Hut, starting to improve. I don't need to own any, uh, any of these after Domino's had such a big run. But you know what? Domino's is the one to buy on a pullback. How about Peter in Texas? Peter. Hey, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you? I'm, uh, I'm here calling from Houston, Texas. I'm uh, currently a junior at the University of Houston. Go yes. I, uh, I had a question for you about Starbucks. I'm currently uh, holding some Starbucks myself as we head into the pumpkin spice and holiday earnings season. And I uh, noticed Starbucks has been trading inversely of the indexes the past couple of big red days. So I wanted to see uh, what you thought about that. I all right, name the new CFO today. I like those backgrounds. Sounds real good. Here's the thing that you need to know. I don't necessarily think this is a turnaround quarter, but I know the company's just been buying back stock left and right and left and right. Kevin Johnson doing a lot of technology and loyalty moves that I think are going to pay off. I think the stock only has a couple points downside and many points upside because I think KJ's doing a very good job. Okay, there are all kinds of reasons for today's whipsaw sell-off and recovery, but this market boils down to three keys. Rates inflation, and the Fed. And you know I'm going to keep pounding you on these. I want you to understand. Oh, man, money tonight. Inflategate. Everyone's in a tizzy of what the jobs report is telling us about inflation, but I think this may be a case of much ado about nothing. Stay tuned, and I'll explain. 
then power rankings are no longer just for football. I'm telling you how watching Wall Street's rankings can make you some real money. And Zillow was once considered a disruptor in the real estate brokerage industry and a real winner for investors. But as the story changed, I'm eyeing the company after its recent drop. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you actually break down last Friday's employment report, the one that has everyone in a tizzy about inflation, there's actually not a lot that should really scare the inflationistas. The big jump came in professional and business services, 54,000 new jobs. These are white-collar workers, people with degrees, who for the most part have struggled in recent years because of digital automation. But in the past year, this sector has created 560,000 jobs. It looks to be a real winner from tax reform. That was supposed to happen. Next is healthcare with 26,000 new hires or 302,000 year over year. That actually represents a real slowdown in healthcare hiring. And that's a welcome change, as runaway health care cost inflation have been a huge problem for decades. Maybe this means we're starting to get health care costs under control. It's been the true source of inflation in the system, not that the Fed seems to have noticed. We keep hearing about rising transportation costs, but when you look at the numbers here, 24,000, including 5,000 carriers, you see very little new employment year over year, just 174,000. I think the whole trucking industry got caught flat-footed by the new federal safety rules that dramatically limit the number of hours a trucker can drive. Why isn't anyone talking about this change besides me? It's something that took the whole system by surprise. Plus, the courier number of 5,000 is negative for wages because the new delivery economy requires far more delivery people. Here's the thing. This transportation number should have, should have been up much more. We need more drivers pronto. If it doesn't start going higher, we're going to be saddled with some real bad inflation from the supply chain, manufacturing to distribution to retail to your door. That's why PPG just told us they have to raise prices for auto paint by 10%. Finally, construction was up only 23,000 jobs. It's a 315,000 increase year over year. I say only because this number is a sure sign either that lending for new building is slowing or housing's cooling, maybe both. 
No other categories, including retail or manufacturing, showed appreciable gains. What do these numbers mean for the stock market? I think it means that the big spike in interest rates, the thing that sends stocks plummeting, maybe a little, little to do with wage inflation. I think they mean that the bond market had some serious sellers in, in it. Sellers that really weren't all that related to the number or the 73 cent year over year wage increase that the American worker has received. Hardly that additive, given the tax reform was supposed to generate better wages. I think the big rise in yields has its genesis elsewhere. But perception is everything. We've been weighed down by a belief that retailers will be crushed by a combination of higher wages and tariffs. The trucking regulatory issue is harming our nation's supply chain, and trucking companies haven't adjusted to the new world. There are plenty of trucks around. They just need to have more drivers. The rails, after years of cutting back, haven't adjusted either. All aboard! They can't find workers because they spent years firing people. And it's not like those former employees are just kind of waiting around. But the Big job-creating industries, they've actually slowed. Housing, lack of affordability has crushed it. Autos, a once robust industry, has endured endless pain, including the restructuring read job cuts announced by Ford this very weekend. Obviously, retail hasn't made up for it. The Amazon pay increase is good for the company's employees, but Amazon only needs to hire so many people thanks to automation. Plus, they get rid of various bonuses and stock-based compensation. Not that, that was mentioned. So the $15 wage, by, uh, boost, uh, $15 wage number, it's not as generous as it looks. So if wage inflation isn't much of a problem here, why on earth are we so worried about it? Because we're afraid of the Federal Reserve. Remember, Fed Chief Jerome Powell just told us to, uh, that we had to start worrying just last week. He said worry. If he actually looked under the hood, though, I think he'd be less concerned about rising labor costs and more concerned about businesses that can no longer afford to expand. Frankly, when I look at these numbers, the only conclusion is that the Fed needs to cool it with the rhetoric and the rate hikes. It needs to let the banks make more money off the difference between what they pay you for your deposits and what they make on loans. Look, if the Fed could just create new truckers out of thin air the same way it can create new money, we'd have very little inflation. Of course, that's not something our central bank has any control over. If Jerome Powell insists on continuing to raise interest rates in lockstep, these numbers make me think he could send us into a severe slowdown. Maybe that's what he wants. But if that's the case, people are right to be worried. That said, if rates really have peaked because of the damage the Fed has already done, then we could be in for a decent fourth quarter. If not, the Fed-mandated slowdown will soon be upon us. How about Steve in Washington? Steve! Hey, Jim. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for all you do. Um, but my question's on uh, new residential, NRZ. Okay. Uh, it's had some upside since April. I was wondering if that could continue, but also I was worried because the dividend yield is pretty high, kind of in that red zone you worry about. I don't know. I was wondering if that's safe. Well, I got to tell you, when I see that set level and I see that 11 percent, that tends to be that you're going to make as much in the uh, you'll make a, it, the dividend, what you lose in the uh, capital appreciation stream. So I'm going to say, no, I don't want to be in that one. Uh, I just I, I don't like the ones where I don't understand what they're really doing with the money. How about Lou in Florida, please? Lou. Hey, Mr. Jim. Yes. Thanks for taking my call tonight, buddy. Oh, man. Thank you for calling, Lou. <laughs> Listen, uh, this is the greatest show on earth. It's like Barnum and Bailey Circus. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Only the baby boomers like me remember that, right? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think there's a little more truth to it, but I get you. I get you. What's up? Um, listen, um, my stock pick is Pet Meds Express. It's been cut in half. Yeah. I don't. I don't see any fundamentals changing on this. I don't know if it's a small cap. They're not purchasing uh, interest rate hikes. Um, or just out of favor. I don't know what's going on. The well, I think it, it, 
It is out of favor, uh, but you know what? I mean, remember, we favor Zoetis, Idex Labs, and then Elanco, and that's, those are all much higher quality. Remember, at this stage, it is really key. When the Fed is tightening, you got to have quality going for you. If you don't have quality going for you, you're going to end up uh, losing in multiple ways. Okay, if rates have peaked here, then we could fare okay in the fourth quarter. If not, I worry the Fed will be the one sending us closer to a recession. Much more made money and football's back. But instead of spending all your time scrolling power rankings, why not draft up some dollars? I'm putting together a dream team of stocks that could lead you to victory for this season. Then Zillow moved the real estate game from the streets to its website and mobile apps, helping its users find a place to call home. But it's down over 30% over the past three months. Is it on shaky foundation? And it's a medical marijuana company helping over 80,000 patients in Florida, and you may never heard of it. I'm going to reveal the speculative name. Notice the, the word speculative. And what it can tell us about the overall cannabis space that continues to heat up. So stay with Kramer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to talk about the NFL after the Philadelphia Eagles lost again last night, ruining what had been a pretty decent weekend in Philly. Investors could learn a lot from the way we analyze sports in this country. If you want to make a bet on a given football game, for example, you don't look at the standings. You look at the power rankings. list that tells you who's the best in the league right now. That's because the power rankings are dynamic. They're live. They're up-to-date, minute-to-minute formulations of who's playing the best at any given time. It's a useful tool, and I think it's worth applying to the stock market, too. Because like football, the standings at the moment might be obscuring some real staying power that you'll only notice after doing a deeper dive. Now that the third quarter's in the bag, I'll be rolling out the Kramer Power Rankings for the rest of the year, sector by sector. We're doing this all week, analyzing the best performers in each group, and not just doing it for your fantasy stock game. We're doing it for reality. Last, let's start with the communication services power rankings. But first, I probably need to explain what the heck the communication services even means. 
Late last year, S&P Dow Jones Indices and MSCI, the guys who maintain the indices, they decided to create a new industry classification standard. They took the previously sleepy telecommunications sector and combined it with the media group, although the change only went into effect a week and a half ago. So communication services includes everything from phone companies to the cable companies to the TV networks to all sorts of online properties, Netflix, Alphabet, Facebook, TripAdvisor. Who are the best performers in the strange hodgepodge sector that accounts for 10% of the S&P 500? Well, you got Netflix. It's very far ahead of the pack. It's up nearly 82%. Remember, this is the non-power rankings for the year. Discovery in second. TripAdvisor third. Fourth and fifth, both special situations. 21st Century Fox and CenturyLink. 21st Century Fox, obviously, part you know, breaking stuff up and getting a bid. And CenturyLink was a, a, you know, the, the fact that the dividend wasn't cut, basically. All right. Now, they're also followed by a pair of video game companies, Activision Blizzard and Take-Two Interactive, with Twitter in the middle. Alphabet barely cracks the top 10. Is that right? Facebook's one of the worst performers, down more than 10% for the year. However, these performance numbers are more like a football team's record at this very moment after a couple of games. I mean, they don't necessarily tell you how it's doing relative to the competition right now at this very moment. Certainly aren't good forecasters of the Super Bowl. So what do the Kramer Power rankings look like for the communications sector? All right, this is a little controversial, but I don't mind doing it. At number one is not Netflix. It's not some of the others. This is Discover, Discovery Channel. No, it's Disney. Yes, Disney, even though it is only up about 8% for the year. While Disney needs no introduction, you need to remember that this company is in the midst of a major transformation by Bob Iger, one of our favorite CEOs. They won the bidding war for Fox's entertainment assets. Then they lost the bidding war for Sky, the big European satellite TV play, Comcast, parent company's network. As part of that transaction, Fox will be selling its minority uh, stake in Sky to Comcast, too. So what, what the heck is Disney doing ranked number one on this list? Simple, now that all the deal-making distractions are behind them, I love the way things are set up for Disney. Content is king in this environment, which I guess makes Disney the king of kings. Plus, management's decision to let Comcast take Sky while also divesting Fox's regional sports networks means the company will need to take on a lot less debt to finance the deal. The rating agencies, they're pleased with that action. For ages, this stock had been held back by worries about subscriber losses in one of their marquee properties, ESPN. But lately, Disney's made a major push into subscription-based online streaming services, including ESPN Plus, which launched six months ago and already has over a million subscribers. I think these direct-to-consumer offerings could be huge here, especially since Disney could take a controlling stake in Hulu. And let's not forget, between Star Wars and Marvel Comics, they've got some incredibly lucrative film properties. That's why I've been recommending Disney since the spring. Well, actually, you could say since the beginning of the show. It's also why we honor for the Chapman's Hustle, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. And hey, even after its recent run, Disney's still a relative bargain. It's trading at 15 times, uh, 15 and a half times next year's earnings estimates. It's very rare that you see this stock down this much. Notice how it held up today in the, in the onslaught. It's one of the big turnarounds today. Number two in the power rankings, more controversy, it's Alphabet, the parent company of Google, YouTube and the Waymo self-driving car business, among a bunch of other bets. Now, Alphabet's only up nearly 10% for the year. Yes, that's right, the letter G in FANG. It sold off so hard over the past few months that, you know, it's almost been an oblivion. This decline is all about guilt by association. Alphabet's FANG compadre, Facebook, is doing terribly, as is the recently downtrodden Twitter. So the whole online media group has been hammered relentlessly. But you know what? I think that's a mistaken judgment by the marketplace. Alphabet's not in the same boat as Facebook or Twitter. They've done a much better job of preventing their platforms from being abused by bad actors, even including the security breach they announced today. And most important, Alphabet's core business is actually in good shape. 
Ad revenue from Google was up a better than expected 24% in the latest quarter because search is still the best way to advertise online. People seem to have completely forgotten that fact. Or let me put it this way. If Google were just search and YouTube, the stock would still be worth 24 times next year's earnings, which is right where it's trading now. That's very cheap for a digital media play with a good growth in in oodles of cash. Throw in Google Cloud, Google Play, and hardware, which collectively are growing even faster. And you've got a really attractive asset. And, of course, you've got this so-called other bets division. It's a collection of potential game changers like Waymo for autonomous driving, like Verily for the sciences, and DeepMind for artificial intelligence. Now, you're basically getting these for free. In short, the pullback in Alphabet's giving you a terrific buying opportunity. Well, third, you know we have to have a video game stock, right? You know which one I'm picking? I'm picking Strauss Zelnick's Take-Two Interactive Software. Why these guys and not, say, Activision, which has also been a very strong performer? Simple. Take-Two's always been driven by huge new releases like Grand Theft Auto. And in less than three weeks, they roll out Red Dead Redemption 2, one of the most anticipated games of the year. It looks like they'll make a fortune on this thing. And we know they're great at squeezing value out of these titles. Grand Theft Auto came out five years ago. It's still a huge moneymaker. Plus, there are all these other sports franchises under the 2K banner. And, of course, the stock got clobbered today down nearly 3%. Mouthwatering, I felt. But at nearly 25 times next year's earnings estimates, you know what? I think this one's a steal, especially ahead of this Western Red Dead, which apparently is going to work really well in your new systems. Uses a lot of uh, meg, I understand. Fourth, there's Viacom. Now, this is a little counterintuitive. I'm probably one of the few people recommending this stock. While Viacom, the parent of MTV Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, and BET VH1, and a host of other networks, has been a real bow-wow long-term. The stock's been rebounding hard in the recent months. It's up more than 20% from its June lows. Viacom also owns Paramount, and they've released a bunch of very successful films this year, like the latest Mission Impossible and the low-budget blockbuster A Quiet Place. Think of this as a turnaround story, engineered by CEO Bob Backish, who took over a little less than two years ago. He's been a cost-cutter, he's cutting them less than right, and he's doing everything in his power to monetize the company's most valuable franchises and their intellectual property. I'm talking about the new Jack Ryan thriller on Amazon, a fabulous binge if you haven't seen it yet. Oh, and the latest quarter was terrific. Maybe Viacom can combine with the now headless CBS. They're both controlled by the Redstone family, but at this point, Viacom can do just fine on its own. It would be terrific merch with CBS, its brother company or sister company or whatever. You got a kind of a Chinatown-like thing going there. Finally, I think Netflix belongs in the top five of the communications power rankings, but not at the top. This stock sold off hard after its latest so-called disappointing quarter. It's still down more than 80 points from its highs, but I think the story is very much intact, even as the stock got hit again today. A couple bucks. I love the business model. I believe management can get the subscriber growth back on track, but Netflix is in a show-me mode here now which is why it's only number five, despite being the best performer in the group year-to-date. Remember, these are power rankings, not a simple look at the standings. Here's the bottom line. The power rankings tell you a lot more than the scoreboard. And when it comes to the communication services cohort, my top five players in descending order, Disney, Alphabet, Take-Two Interactive, Viacom, and Netflix look for more stock power rankings as the week goes on. Nate in Pennsylvania. Nate! Hey, Professor Kramer. This is Nate from Philadelphia. Thanks for watching everything you guys are doing. Uh, I'm calling about the uh, company Orbcom, ticker ORBC. They're an Internet of Things company. They do machine-to-machine communications. Looks like they have some pretty good revenue growth. Um, they're going to start doing some uh, offering their satellite services in China. So I want to see what your take is on the company. Well, you know what? It's wireless messaging. When I see how little Facebook can seem to be able to make on wireless messaging, at least so far, I'm not going to go down the food chain and recommend Orbcom. I'm sorry, even though you're a fellow Philadelphia. Okay. 
The takeaway from today's installment of Kramer's Power Rankings, these are my top five players in the communication service group, and they're worth a second look, even though they're not necessarily in the order of who's been winning this year. All right, much more mad money ahead, including my take on what's the heck's happening with Zillow. Can that stock get over its housing hurdles? Then, with demand for cannabis plays heating up, I'm talking to a speculative medicinal company in, that's getting in on the action. Emphasis, speculative. And what it costs, rapid fire. Tonight's edition of the Lightning Round, so stay with Kramer. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You know why I'm always stressing the importance of good management? It's because 80% of running a company is just not screwing up. So often when a business gets in trouble, you find yourself thinking, man, if they'd done nothing, if they just simply sat on their hands, they would have been fine. How hard is it to do nothing? Apparently, it's harder than it looks. I want you to consider the case of Zillow, the online real estate kingpin that's gone from market darling to total dog in a matter of months. Coming into this year, Zillow's business model was beloved. They provide users with all kinds of information about home values, and then they sell ads to real estate agents against it. The company had rolled up most of its competitors. It was firing on all cylinders. Zillow and its rambunctious, affable CEO, Spencer Raskoff, were adored by Wall Street. As recently as this summer, Zillow was trading at $65. That's up 60% for the year. Since then, though, the whole story started to fall apart, and the stocks plunged more than 35% from its highs, sinking to $40 and change as of today. The thing that drives me really nuts is that this was a disaster mostly of Zillow's own making. It only takes one big mistake in selling your stocks in free fall. So what the heck happened here? In April, Zillow decided to get into the business of buying and selling homes. Yep. They figured that this was the moment to bet big on housing, right when interest rates are rising, making mortgages more expensive, right when the housing stocks keep getting hammered because Wall Street believes the industry is doomed. And it sure didn't help that Lennar, the biggest home builder in the country, just called a pause in the housing market when reported last week. In this environment, Zillow got the idea that it was a good time to start flipping houses because, hey, who understands the real estate business better than they do? In retrospect, it was pure hubris. So let me walk you through it, because the real tragedy here is that this pivot was totally unnecessary. As we came into 2018, Zillow's uh, sales and earnings were growing rapidly. The general consensus was that the business still had a lot of room to grow. Even though Zillow dominates the online real estate business, they only account for about 11% of realtor marketing spend, which seems very low given that Zillow is is where more than 60% of consumers go to research real estate. At least from the outside, it seemed like the company had no reason to change. Then in April, Zillow announces they're going to start flipping houses in Phoenix and Las Vegas. With more markets to come in the future. It was a radical shift in the business model. Needless to say, Wall Street was dismayed. Analyst after analyst asked Raskoff why he would want to go from selling ads and running an online marketplace to actually buying homes and participating in that marketplace. As Lloyd Walmsley from Deutsche Bank pointed out, not only is this an awfully big pivot for Zillow, But the timing seems terrible. Why would you start flipping houses at this point in the economic cycle? In April, the housing market was still doing fine. But we knew the Fed was tightening, and that never bodes well for the industry. But Raskoff was confident in his new strategy. Over and over on the conference call, he insisted that nobody understands the housing market better than Zillow. He said they only planned to sit on these homes for 90 days at a time. And they had so much data and predictive software, oh, artificial intelligence, that they were in a perfect position to flip houses. 
In response, the stock got decked, losing 7% of its value in a single day. But Zillow had just pre-announced some spectacular first quarter results and raised its guidance, so many of us were still willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Eventually, some analysts started coming around and the stock rebounded. When we last spoke with Spencer Raskoff back in May, he argued that Zillow selling its own homes is like Netflix starting to make its own original programming. That made sense, right? Or Amazon uh, moving into the web services business. Hmm. And I see where he's coming from. But when I asked him whether this move made the company more sensitive to interest rates, I felt he was dismissive. The stock continued to rally, though, climbing to a peak of $65 in June. Then over the summer, we got some new announcements. As Zillow told us, they'd be expanding their home flipping program into Atlanta and Denver. I want you to remember Denver. Unfortunately, when Zillow reported two months ago, it was a bit of a disaster. The company delivered a modest revenue miss, its first in more than two years. But far worse was the guidance. Management's forecast for the next quarter was downright heinous. And they slashed their full year forecast for sales and earnings projections. Uh, this looks especially bad, as Zillow had just boastfully raised numbers in April. Guiding back down a few months later, it's not looking good. Adding insult to injury, the company also bought mortgage lenders of America. Not only are they flipping houses, they're also going to be their own mortgage originator. The stock plunged 16% on this one, two punches of, uh, of this one-two punch of bad news. It's been going down ever since. Now, even if this was the perfect time to start flipping houses, even if Zillow really can do this better than anyone else, it still would have caused a sell-off. Investors here don't want an interest rate-sensitive company that owns homes. They bought Zillow because it's a high-margin, asset-light online real estate play with a fabulous multi-year growth story. In short, it's not what the shareholder base signed up for. If they wanted direct housing exposure, they would have bought a home builder, for heaven's sake. And it sure doesn't help that the business immediately deteriorated right after they started this new venture. But the real tragedy here, the thing that I can barely even get my head around, is that this is a terrible time to start flipping houses. Just last week, the CEO of Lenar talked about a pause in the housing market. While he said it was merely a temporary adjustment, that's not exactly what you want to hear at this point in the business cycle. At my old hedge fund, I would never own a home builder when interest rates were rising. It would be money management malpractice. The coup de grace, last week, the Denver Post, I don't know if you caught this one, reported that home sales in the Denver metro area plunged by 33% from August to September, saying the local housing market froze over in September. Froze! Ouch! Remember, Zillow's about to start flipping houses in Denver! This had been the hottest housing market maybe in the country for years, but it's been cooling rapidly in recent months. Plus, there's a ballot measure to curtail the oil and gas business. And if that passes next month, Denver could become one of the worst housing markets in the country. The house of pain. That makes it very hard to take management seriously when they insist that they understand the housing market better than any other company in America. Zillow announced it was going to flip houses in Denver on August 1, right after Denver home sales declined by 15% in July. Maybe they know something I don't, but that sure doesn't look like a great call. Let me give you the bottom line here. It drives me nuts when a great company makes an unforced error. Zillow was in fantastic shape just six months ago. We loved their attempts to corner the real estate advertising market. Then they decided to move into a totally new, totally risky business at what may be the worst possible time, and the stock has since cratered. I like Spencer Raskoff. He's a good guy, funny, articulate, real smart. But I can't recommend the stock here. You don't double down on the housing market when the Federal Reserve is putting its jackboot on the industry's neck. Hubris is not investable. That said, it's not too late for Zillow to forget this new business and pivot back to a model that Wall Street loves. 
Mad Money is back after the break. It is time. It is time for the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lightning round question. I'm start with Joe in Colorado. Joe. Booyah, Jimmy. Booyah, Joe. Hey, Jimmy, I got a question on Val Resorts. I just added a little bit more to a position I've had a couple of years. And uh, right now, after the earnings call, I feel like I'm in a molded patch ahead of my skis. You know what? The quarter wasn't that bad. I mean, the stock has been straight down since they reported that quarter. I think you're getting in at a decent level. This is a long-term, terrific, experiential play. Let's go to Phil in New Jersey. Phil! Booyah, Dr. Kramer. How are you, my friend? Calling on MasterCard. I bought the stock about like two years ago, and I'm going to have to pay with this right now. All right, well, remember what just happened here. First of all, let's not be too uh, hard on ourselves. Stock's up 37%. Second, there was a fintech program out of fintech. There's actually an ETF called Finks out of fintech and into the banks. This is just money sloshing around. I almost wanted to go to Charitable Trust today and tell the club members, we should be thinking about MasterCard. I want to go to Joe in New York. Joe. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. Uh, I just want to make a shout-out to the trading boys, a couple of trading friends of mine. Uh, we follow you on Twitter. Um, I'm wondering about CYBR. Uh, what do you think, Kramer? All right. I have to like the cybersecurity stocks a lot. This one was down badly along with the whole cohort. I think you're picking up at a good level. Another two points down. I think you buy it and you get pretty big. Let's go to uh, Efren in California. Efren. Booyah, Jim. How Booyah. are you? I, I don't know. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm better now. I'm a first-time caller and club member, and really appreciate your yes, advice. Yes, club member. How can I help? Especially on down days like today. Uh, I'm sorry about your dog, Bob, also. I have three dogs, and I don't know what I would do without my two robots that back you all that dog here. We're going to get another rescue I, dog. We're going to get one because I Everest has not been able to move except for to look for bug. It's unbelievable. How can I help? <laughs> I'm calling about iRobot, I-R-B-T. It caught a big downgrade today, and I didn't like the tone of the downgrade. I'd be staying away from that one. I thank you for those kind comments both about Bug and about our family. I need to go to Scott in Florida. Scott. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my phone call. I'm calling on a timeshare company. Ticker is B-A-C. Man, this thing is falling out of favor like you wouldn't believe, which makes me think that people feel it's a rate play. In other words, as rates go up, people buy fewer timeshares. I'm not going to disagree with that assessment. I do think the stock is oversold, but holy cow. If it's a rate play and rates keep going higher, you're not going to make any money here. I need to go to Georgia, New York. George. All right. Good day to you, Jim. Good to have you on the show. All right. Thanks for all the advice and taking my call. Listen, I wonder how you feel about Therapeutics MD. I've always liked this. This is a hormone replacement therapy for women. I've liked it for a long time. Candidly, it has done nothing. I continue to like it because I think it's a good spec. I need to go to Susan in North Carolina. Susan. Hi, how are you? I am good, Susan. How are you? Um, I'm fine, thanks. I'm trying to get some information on the stock, on Dell stock. We purchased it a few months ago. It's gone up just slightly, but I understand that it's supposed to be going public again. It is true, and I have to defer to my uh, colleague, David Faber, who did a very good report that included some very rosy projections of the stock price. It was not David's. It was Wall Street's, and I agree with him. I think this stock, if you could buy it five points down, I think it would be an exceptional buy. Let's take one more. Let's go to Barbara in New York. Barbara. Hi, uh, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. 
I have a question on Edward's Blythe Science. I bought it and I loved it, but I noticed that it's been going steadily Yes, down. but we could substitute Intuitive Surgical for this. I mean, it doesn't matter. All these high-growth device stocks that have been so hot are now cooling. That's an opportunity. Don't run from, go toward, and that. Ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. You know that the marijuana business is exploding in North America, but is it investable? While the cannabis stocks have run so much that it is difficult to recommend them, a lot of them are speculative, I think it's certainly worth familiarizing ourselves with this blazing hot new industry, especially since Canada is going to legalize the stuff a week from now. Which brings me to True Leave. It's the first and largest full-licensed medical marijuana company in the state of Florida, which just came public in Canada via reverse takeover a couple of weeks ago. Julieve got its license three years ago, and now it serves over 80,000 patients just in Florida. It's got real revenues. Stock roared right out of the gate, but then last week it sold off pretty dramatically. It might be too soon to try to bottom fish here, and this is the kind, of course, pure speculative stock. Don't put your retirement money in this one. You only use your discretionary mad money, the money you can afford to lose. That said, it's important for you to understand the incredible transformative power of this industry, especially in the medical space. We need companies like Julieve to explain it to us. So let's check in with Kim Rivers, the CEO of Julieve, to learn more about her business and where it is headed. Ms. Rivers, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Have a seat. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so first I want people to understand, why do uh, your customers come in? What are, what are they getting and what, how is it helping? Sure. Thanks so much for that question. Um, so we serve, as you mentioned, over 80,000 patients in the state of Florida, and they come in for over our 90 SKUs that we produce in-house. So we are required to we're required to uh, cultivate, to uh, produce and manufacture, and also to distribute across the state of Florida. So we offer 90 different types of products, everything from oils, tinctures, uh, flower in vapable formats, um, and we're seeing dramatic results with our patients every single day. Okay, so uh, doctors might send patients to uh, your stores, and they are stores, for what? For uh, back pain, for um, head pain, what, uh, for sleep? Give us sure. some of the uses, because I want people to understand that medical uses are big. Absolutely. So in Florida, there are 10 uh, identifiable conditions. Um, PTSD is a very large yes. uh, category for us, especially in Florida, because we have such a large veteran population. Okay. Um, in addition, you have, of course, AIDS, cancer, um, seizure conditions, um, and so forth. And then also in Florida, there's like, kind, or class, which allows physicians to analogize those conditions to any other conditions. So, for example, if you have a severe anxiety disorder, right. uh, you also are um, able to be a patient in Florida. Well, these are all... Uh, indications that some people in this country, some doctors, Ill, uh, you know, ill-fatally have been giving uh, opioids to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing a huge transition, and that's actually one of our initiatives um, in front of the legislature this upcoming session, uh, is to int introduce policies to say, you know, instead of only having opioids as an alternative, why not medical cannabis? As you probably know, there have been a number of recent studies that have come out that have shown that in states where medical cannabis programs are robust, the number of opioid or prescriptions reduces dramatically. Uh, we also know from just firsthand true stories, which we have on our website every Tuesday, that a number of our patients are transitioning from opioids to medical cannabis very effectively, and it's much a much safer and effective alternative. Okay, you are in Florida. Can you yeah. go elsewhere? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We are looking to go elsewhere. And we can't go elsewhere now with our current license in Florida. Okay. So we would need to make acquisitions, which is one of the reasons and one of the main drivers that we decided to go public. A couple okay. Well, I saw your corporate structure. You've got Trulieve Cannabis BC, uh-huh. and then you've got a line right down to Florida. Right. So in other words, what you could say is that that parent company might be able to host other states. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are looking to do that in the very near term. Okay. One last thing. You know, you came public via a, a reverse uh, takeover with a, a penny stock that was a mining company. That does make me nervous okay. because uh, you're not a mining company. No, we are not a mining company. I mean, we do mine for better health, but. Right, but I mean, <laughs> is that something that, a, let's say, a person watching should say, wow, I don't know if that's the right way to go. I'd rather just own like a regular listed stock. In, sure. In so, we, I mean, as you know, there are some complications with right. being a cannabis company um, in the United States and having primary operations in the United States. So, an RTO was the way that we needed to go. Um, so, we did make sure that that company was completely clean, limited um, any additional liabilities, and we're, we're very comfortable that that is a clean shell that we now own. All right, I'm glad you explained that to yes. people. Thank you so much. That's Kim River, CEO of Tulip. Understand why people are interested in this. It's a very investable thesis. They have money's back after the break. Tonight, an all-new American Greed. See a group of Florida teens started an oxycodone empire and started bringing in huge amounts of illegal cash. Fascinating story. Please don't miss it. Okay, PPG after the close reports, geez, an incredibly bad pre-announcement. Could they have not linked that to when they announced those price hikes? I'm calling not cricket on them. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.